welcome everyone. We are passionate at Church Alive, helping people fulfill God's potential for their lives. And that means developing, building, coaching, inspiring leaders. And so I hope you'll have a leaning factor that today you can grow. Today you can take on a new mentality, a new mindset. And as you allow God to prune you, lift you, other people to inspire you, learn from you, you can become all that God has destined you to become. Can you stand to your feet? We have about 15 people also in our, what do we call it, babe? Overflow? Our live theatre experience, actually, because how many believe church is essential? I think a few more of you believe it than said yes, but I think you do, don't you? I think it is. Come on, I want us to pray together and believe that God wants to speak to you in a unique way, a special way today. Heavenly Father, I love you and praise you. I pray for those watching online. I I pray for those in the live experience, Lord, in this building. I pray for those right now who can see me face to face. Father, you know every heart, you know every need, you know every man, every woman, every family, every past, every present. Jesus, you know us and I pray, Lord, that you would speak across this auditorium right now that you would challenge, that you would speak, that you would encourage and uplift. I pray where people need healing physically. I pray where they need healing in the souls, their mind, their will, their emotions. I pray for anyone dealing with loss or anxiousness or depression or fear in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, right now for their soul that you would strengthen them in the inner man in Jesus' name. Come on, let's pray this simple prayer together. Say, Jesus, speak to my heart, change my life. I declare today, I can become all you desire in your powerful name. One more time, let's give the Lord a shout and a hand clap in the house of God. Come on. If you're in our live experience today, come on, join us. Amen, amen. How many appreciate the worship team? Give them a hand too. Thank you guys. How many parents appreciate our kids team? Can we give them a hand? All right, go ahead, grab your seat. Grab your seat. My son had a kind of uh, one of those spirit weeks uh, recently at school, and you were to dress up in the appropriate, you know, whatever they said. They're like, hey, come as the 1960s. And then Ben put on a leather jacket and like a black T-shirt. And uh, then it was like, dressed in the 1970s. I was like, son, you might as well just do the same thing. Um, but how many of you remember Fonzie? To me, I was like, that is like the epitome of the 1970s, I think, right there. And then this one, I think, is probably the epitome of the 1980s. Like, remember these two guys? Yeah. I tried to find some women ladies, but all of the, the pictures were almost inappropriate to show in church. So I just want to let you know. And then 1990s, I thought Will Smith was kind of the man in the 1990s. Come on. Um, and then I do wonder to myself, like, in 20 years from now, people are going to like, hey, let's dress up like 2020. <laughs> and we'll all look like dental technicians, won't we? And bank robbers. I think, I think it'll be a good time. See, we reflect culture, don't we? We reflect so many different aspects of culture. We reflect it. I think one of the great compliments that I ever get or my wife ever gets is when our uh, children are complimented and they're like, ah, they look like you there. My wife would be like, son, you got this from me, but you got this from me. And I've heard marriage fights though where they'll say, you got that from your dad. 
And normally those fights are not the best fights, if you know what I mean. And so we all have attributes of our own lives that are really worth modeling. And then sometimes we have attributes that you're kind of like, I hope my kid doesn't get that one. Like if you're lazy, you kind of hope your kid doesn't get that one. Let's be honest. If you, if you can't organize your way out of a wet paper bag, how many you know you wish your kid would be organizational? My, my kid is one of my sons, uh, one of my sons, I've only got one, but um, well, well, Mags is like a son in the faith. So, um, but my son, he's got grooves. Like he can, he can dance. And I'm like, where do you get that from? Because I can't. And, and, and I swear when I get to heaven one day, I'm gonna have moves like Michael Jackson. But until then, I'm wide as they come. I just am, I just am. My wife's like, I, I married you, babe, for your, I don't know, your Australianness, your good looks, but not your dancing ability. Someone say, help him, Jesus. <laughs> Romans 8 verse 14 says this, for those who are led, someone say led, some would say, lead me. Some would say, guide me. Some would say, prompt me. Those who are led, those who are prompted, those who are guided by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And so as a pastor, one of my desires for you, I don't care how old you are or how young you are, is that you are led by the Spirit of God and guided by God because whenever God is leading you or guiding you, how many know He's actually trying to get you to reflect Him more? He's not trying to get you to reflect Him in how you dress. He's trying to get you to reflect Him in your character, in your attitude, in your generosity, in how you live your life. God wants you to reflect Him. How many know the problems in your family aren't because you're too godly? I've never had anyone come up to me and just say, Pastor Anthony, my husband, we're having so many problems because he's too much like Jesus. She's too much like Jesus. She's just too loving and forgiving and kind. And I would say to you today that if we are going to break through as a church and if we are to keep on breaking through in this 2020 season, then perhaps our greatest desire or our greatest action should be one that are reflective of Jesus. Wouldn't you agree? Listen to Matthew chapter 14. Verse 14 says this, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, He had compassion on them. Someone say compassion. And He healed their sick. Jesus is a healer. Verse 15, As evening approached, the disciples came to Him and said, This is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy themselves some food. Like Jesus had been teaching all day. He didn't teach for 30 minutes. He teached all day, healed all day, and then everyone's hungry and they're like, send them away. But Jesus cares not just compartmentally about your life. He, he cares about the comprehensive part of your life. I'm talking all, you know, have you ever had like small insurance or big insurance? How many know Jesus is a big insurance God? Verse 16 says, Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And he says, we only have five loaves, bread and two fish. That's enough to feed like maybe three and a half, four people. He says, bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven. I wanna focus on that for a second. Looking up to heaven. Someone say, look up. Come on, say, look up. 
looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. I love that Jesus doesn't just give everyone a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish, but he gives them, everyone is fed. And then each of the disciples have a basket full to go home just to be reminded of the miracle. You and I serve a God who is not just a little bit God. We serve a God who is an abundant God. He is a more than enough provider. It is in His nature to provide for you. Can I get a good amen? But I want you to see today that if Jesus looks down at the fish and the loaves, He sees less than enough. If He looks at the crowds, all He sees is trouble, but He looks up. And I hope we have the kind of church, I hope we build the kind of men, the kind of woman that when, when trouble comes our way, we don't just freak out, but we look up. Because when you look up, what happens is you see the God who is more than enough instead of what is less than enough that is in front of you. God has not just called you and I to have a less than enough life, but a more than enough life. But here's the thing, sometimes He challenges us to look up when we don't have enough. How can I look like Jesus unless I look like Jesus? How can I reflect Jesus unless I keep looking up like Jesus? Man, I reckon in 2020, we need more people who are looking up. I, want, I, I think more of us should have limits on our social media account. I think more of us should have limits on our phone. You know, you get those little dings like, ding, you've been on here for half an hour. You've been on here for an hour. How many of you have that on your phone? You have a limitation because you know you'll go crazy. Have you ever just been scrolling one time and you just realize you keep on scrolling and keep on scrolling and five minutes later, you're like, I have been scrolling for five minutes. Some of you ladies are like, what, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Someone say, look up. He looks up. How can I consistently walk by faith in Jesus if I only occasionally look up? If the only time you feed your faith is at church, something wrong is happening. You've got to feed that thing regularly, daily. We've got to be people who are daily feeders of faith. Can I get an amen? Colossians chapter three, verse one says this, since then you have been raised with Christ. He's talking to people who have put their faith in Christ. Set your what? Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and now set your minds on things above. Notice there are two capacities here to set your hearts and your minds because I found my mind leads my heart and my heart leads my mind. It is both. I need to set my mind on Christ. That's having a consistent time with God. But I also need to set my heart on Christ when He challenges me to do something I need to do it. And then I can grow in faith. Someone say, look up. John chapter 11, Jesus is about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Verse 38, he says this, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said, but Lord, Martha, this is her speaking, by this time there's a bad odour, for he had been there more than four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe... You will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone and then Jesus looked up. 
and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Someone say, look up. And he looked up and he kept looking up. And then he does this that you and I can learn so much from. And it doesn't sound deep, but it's powerful. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I did something ridiculous recently. Uh, I'm almost embarrassed to share, but I'm going to share it anyway. Because that's how I do it. Recently, I was doing my hair, and I normally have some hair gel, so I was doing my hair gel, but I, didn't have, I couldn't find it. And then I looked in this drawer, and I'm like, okay, there's some hairspray, and I'll do that instead. Grab the hairspray, start spraying my hair, and I'm like, man, something's wrong. Because it was weird. Something, I just knew something was wrong. I realized it was deodorant. <laughs> my hair smelled really good. But it didn't stick, if you know what I mean. <laughs> if you would have smelled me that day, you're like, man, you smell good. Hair's just flapping everywhere. <laughs> How many of you want to be happy? Say yes. Some of you are using the wrong instrument to be happy. You're trying to search for happiness here, there, and everywhere. How many of you know it is thankful people that are happy? It is not happy people that are thankful. And God has given us a tool in life to actually activate thankfulness on a regular basis. And when we activate thankfulness, something happens in our spirit. Here's what I believe. I believe God is like one of those. See, if you've ever gone to one of those gated communities down in Florida, see, God lives in a gated community and the password is thank you. And for you and I to get into His presence, don't just bring your problems. Don't just bring your troubles. Don't just bring your whininess. Have you ever, have you ever been around kids and they're whining all the time? I don't think to myself, let's bless them. I've never thought that when my kids are, Daddy, yeah, 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 yeah. But when my kid gives me a card and says, I love you, I'll, I'll, I'll empty the bank account. God is a God who wants to empty the bank account, but first He has to change your lips. And sometimes, let's be honest, you don't feel like saying thank you. Let's be honest, sometimes, listen, sometimes thank you feels fake. Let me say this, it's okay. Thank you, thank Him until it doesn't feel fake anymore. Because sometimes all you're doing is setting your mind on something. And eventually, I remember many years ago, many years ago, I was, we, were in, we lived in Kearney at the time and, and uh, it was a Sunday morning and for some reason, I, I didn't have the best attitude that morning. I'm not sure why, it was Sunday and I was getting ready to preach and I was praying and I just felt like the Lord prompted my heart, son, you need to come to me with thankfulness. And so I started to say thank you and thank you and thank you. And, and it, it felt fake at first. But after a minute or so, I kind of realized thankfulness started to be like that thing that broke open in my heart. And all of a sudden, you got more things to thank God for than you realized. How many of you know that? Come on, thank God for your health. Thank God for every little thing. If you thank Him for the little things. Let me say this. I heard a preacher say this, and I believe it. Thank you. To be thankful is, is like going to a chiropractor. You ever go to a chiropractor and they're always going to crack you? They're always going to adjust you like, oh, I didn't realize I was out of adjustment. Coming to the house of God is like going to the chiropractor's office. There's always something that needs adjusting. Thank you is that thing that adjusts my life. Do you believe that? Thankfulness for what I have opens the door of the imagination. 
Thank you opens the door of the imagination because instead of whining about what you don't have, you thank God for what you do have. Let me suggest to you that if you have a job, the manager generally doesn't, doesn't promote unthankful people. If you're whining about the job you have, he doesn't think, oh, I'll give that guy a promotion. Come on, I'm just trying to get you promoted. <laughs> Thankfulness opens the door of favor, doesn't it? Who are you gonna bless? The kid who's whining or the kid who's thanking? Someone say, look up. Come on, say, look up. I believe that Jesus teaches us to reflect His nature and His character. We've got to look up. But here's the thing, I also believe that He teaches us that we've got to look back. Someone say, look back. I believe that the enemy of our soul gets us to look back on the bad things or the, or the shameful things or the moments that'll stop us entering God's presence. And some of you may deal with that when you come to church for a while. You're like, how come when I come up Sunday morning, I was having a good week and, and, and when you come into the presence of God, there's like these reminders of what you did last week. That happens sometimes, but you need to stay there and thank God until you get a different picture. Come on, I'm ministering to someone on that one. I tell, you, I tell you right now, press through until your mind gets focused on what Jesus wants you to focus on. Someone say, look back. I wanna show you how God taught the children of Israel to look back on their blessings. See, the children of Israel, how many of you know that they were in Egypt? Someone say they were in Egypt. Then they go through the wilderness and then they come into the promised land and they go into the promised land. But how many know that a generation passes and then a generation passes? And before you know it, it's like the people who used to come out of Egypt, before you know it, they've been living in the promised land. And if you've only known the promised land, you don't know Egypt, do you? You don't know where God has taken you from. So God instituted something in their offering time. When they would come to the house of God, they would bring a moment of worship, but then God taught them strategically how they were to say a certain phrase that would teach them that they were to be thankful people. Deuteronomy chapter 26 says this, when you have entered the land, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken the possession of it and settled in it. Take some of the first fruits. Someone say first fruits. Of all that you produce from the soil of the land, the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Notice they were prepared to go to the house of God. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for His name and say to the priest in office at the time, Look, it's a long passage of Scripture, but I hope you can stay with me. I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Watch this now. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God. Someone say, I shall declare before the Lord my God. Now he's instituting something that was a principle for years to come. When they gave, they were to bring the first fruit, but they were to say something so that they didn't forget where they came from. Watch this now. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father. Now, how many know it probably wasn't his father? It was his lineage. 
It is Abraham, it is Isaac, it is Jacob. Jacob becomes Israel. Israel has 12 sons. They then all multiply. They become millions of people. And he says, but my father, and they were linking the one man back to great, 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 granddaddy. But they were to say that they were one people. And watch this now. My father was a wandering Aramean and he went down into Egypt with a few people. Someone say a few people. And he lived there and became a great nation. Someone say a great nation powerful and numerous. Now it goes on, it says, but the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labour. Then, someone say then. This is 400 years later. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice, saw our misery, toil and oppression. So the Lord brought us up out of Egypt with a mighty hand, someone say mighty hand, and an outstretched arm with great terror, signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, watch this, verse 10. And now, someone say now. Now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me and place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before Him. What was He teaching them? He was teaching them that years before God had spoken to Abraham, then to Isaac, then to Jacob, and there was a lineage and they were not disconnected from their lineage. Now, let me say this to you. I have heard in the last 2020, I've heard so many times, one of the great, I would say, concerns of mine is that sometimes I hear people talking and bringing people back what I would call to a victim mentality. I think it is a great danger. Never follow people who tell you you're a victim because they are leading you back, not forward. I grew up in Australia and um, in Australia, we didn't grow up with a lot of money. Now, someone say first world problems. So we didn't grow up with a lot of money, but that's according to a first world problems. In other words, I had food, I had electricity, I had a TV, I had clothes to choose from, didn't like my clothes, but that was my clothes. Um, there was a number of years my, my mum and dad didn't really have a car, even though dad had a company car. There was a couple of years where we had a car, um, but that car, the door didn't work. And that's the worst one, the driver's side door didn't work. So my mum had to crawl over the seat every time and you know you're around a bunch of people who have money and our cousins had a lot of money someone say a lot of money so that makes you think you're poor they had tennis courts and they had pools and they were very very they were doctors and they were high level people and so I grew up I was like ah we're kind of poor then I got to preach to Madagascar went to Africa at that time Madagascar was the sixth poorest nation in the world so what I thought was poor wasn't poor. <laughs> Let me say that again. What I thought was poor was first world poor, not third world poor. See, Australia is a wealthy nation and America is a wealthy nation. Hear me now. The average salary of America makes you, if you earn the average in America, makes you out of 190 nations, America is the 178th on average when it comes to income. So let me break this down. So if you make average in America and go to another country and tell them you ain't blessed, they think you're smoking crack. <laughs> because out of 170, out of 90 nations in the world, we're top 12. Which means this, 
If you're not thankful for what you have, you'll miss the opportunities that are in front of you. Come on. Come on, I'm trying to help someone. Because I remember telling some people who really knew poverty, I didn't grow up with much money. As I'm telling them the story, I realize I'm preaching to the wrong crowd. And then there was a moment when I was preaching and I had, I don't know, 200 American dollars in my pocket, but I changed that to Madagasi money. And, the, and so I had 200 American dollars for the two weeks that I was there. And that looked like a lot of money in Madagascar. That was like, I looked like a bowler. And as I was preaching, I realized as I'm, I was taking my money out and I realized, oh no, it would be the equivalent today of me being up here and two years wages falling out of my pocket. And you'd be looking and go, oh, what, what's going on? Am I preaching to anyone? So what I'm saying to you today is if God tries to teach the children of Israel that listen for hundreds of years, I've been blessing you. But the way you forget or the way that you actually remember where I've taken you from is you remember where I've taken you from. Some of you might've been a Christian for six months six years or 60 years. And the truth is sometimes you forget what it is to not know Christ. You forget what it is to not have faith. You forget what it is to not have prayer. You forget what it is to not know Jesus. And sometimes it's easy to forget, but God teaches us how, but He says, look back on where I've taken you. First Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen people, says a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, says that you might declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvellous light. It says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Remember where you've come from in Jesus' Name. And that way, generosity and faith and thankfulness can flow out of your life. Can I get a good Amen. It doesn't mean that life wasn't hard for you. It doesn't mean that there wasn't dysfunction. It doesn't mean there wasn't pain, but you don't allow the days to echo the years. See, when you look back on what God's done for you, you can say, God has been with me and let His blessings echo forward in my life. So I don't just cause days to, to colour my years. Are you with me? Someone say, look up. Someone say, look back. Someone say, look forward. Come on, say, look forward. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 says this, and God is able, Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth, and he says, and God is able to bless you abundantly. It says this, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, Watch this now. Their righteousness endures forever. Do you know when you give to God, it is an eternal echo? When you give to God, when I give to God, it is an eternal echo. Matthew 25, Jesus told us that if we would just give a cup of cold water in His name, you would not lose your eternal reward. I just got an email from a, a pastor friend of mine in India and said, Pastor Anthony, uh, we've had a rough time. It's been really tough because of COVID. And he said, because your church has been so generous to us in the past, I don't do this with everyone, but I'm just asking if you guys are able to bless us, would you bless us? And I'm just praying about that amount that we can give to them. And I tell you this, I'm only able to pray about that amount we can give to them because you're a generous church. Someone say amen. 
But here's what I know. When we give to the poor, it is an eternal echo. When we give to God, it is an eternal echo. Verse 10 says this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower. Who does he supply seed to? The sower. And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so you can be generous. Someone say generous. On every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Isn't that good? That'll preach right there. See, I believe we look up and we hear heaven's voice. I believe we look back and we remember where he's taken us from. But I do believe this, that we must look forward to both, what's this now, the eternal reward and the now reward. There is a kind of disconnect, I think, in Christianity sometimes that some people are kind of will preach and it's all about the now reward and others will preach and it's all about the eternal reward. I just wanna say this, it's about both. How many believe that God blesses you when you give eternally, but God also give, blesses you in your heart, in your spirit? It's both tangible and intangible. Are you with me? I, um, I want you to show the diamond on the screen. I think this is appropriate. My wife made, got nervous. She was like, babe, tell them it's not mine. Because all the ladies are like, whoa, that's, that's nice. I like that. Some of you wearing masks and there's diamond glitter all over the place. I'm trying to make it bright and shiny. I was wearing a yellow one today. Had a big smiley face. Someone's like, I thought you were wearing a banana. No, no, just a smiley face. When I was about to get engaged uh, with my wife, I went shopping for rings and, 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 and guys don't know anything about rings and then all of a sudden you go to a, a diamond store and they're gonna teach you, right? They're gonna tell you it's about clarity and it's about cut, it's about color, it's about kind of the three C's, even the four C's and, and they're gonna take you along this journey and they're gonna say, hey, here's like this, this VVS one and, and most of us can't afford VVS one, trust me. And then there's VVS and then there's VS1 and VS2. And they're like, what kind of color do you want? Obviously you don't want a yellow one because you don't want to look like the diamond's been peed on. And, and then they're like, hey, how much carrot, you know? And so you obviously determine on your budget and determine if you listen to Dave Ramsey or not. It, it depends on probably what you're spending. But I was shopping with my wife, uh, actually not with her, I was trying to privately do it. And I go to this uh, engagement store or ring store in Australia and the guy shows me a ring. He's like, hey, this is a VS2, this one over there. And I was like, okay. But the problem was I could see a very strong mark from the top in the ring he was showing me. And so I look at him, I was like, hey man, I can see the, the dot, it's pretty significant. Then from the side, actually, you see it a lot. And he looks at me and he goes, he looks at it and he goes, I don't see it. Yeah, some of you are like, huh? Which, which meant he was trying to trick me. And I look at him and immediately in my mind, I'm like, I'm not shopping from this fool. Because he won't admit what's there. He won't admit it. And here's what I believe out of you and me 
is that when God actually puts His finger in a, on your life in a service, He's not trying to say, listen, I think you're a low rate diamond. You know what He's trying to do? He's trying to bring more clarity out of you so that your light can shine brighter. And so when God says, listen, look up, He's trying to get the colour and the light of heaven in you. When He says, look back in an appropriate way and realise where I've taken you, He's trying to get the, the, the light of heaven to flow out of you. And here's what I really believe. When God speaks to your life about generosity, I found this, that I've actually found that, that I used to be a PS or 13, I don't know what that means, but P3. I used to be a P3 giver. And then over time, God brought me to a P2. But every time He stretched me, it's kind of like, oh, oh, that hurts a little bit, Lord. Have you ever noticed that? God stretches you. I wanna use this one, one more illustration and then I'm gonna close up. I was playing golf one day with a guy from our church and we were playing on, I don't play much, so I'm pretty crap. And anyway, we were walking to another hole and on that hole, there was a beggar begging for money. And I didn't have any cash on me and neither did my friend. And so we just kind of walked on by, I said, sorry, man, and we passed him by. And in that moment, I realised what actually happens a lot in church life is that we come to church sometimes and we treat God like He's a beggar. The American church, generally speaking, sometimes treats God like He's a beggar, that we're doing Him a favour when we give Him anything. But I'm telling you right now that God is a King. God is a King. He is the King above all kings. And the reason that He teaches you to honour Him like He's a King, here's why because He's a King. And when you honour Him as a King, what, watch what happens. You actually start to reflect His nature more and more and more. And then as He stretches you in different times of prayer and generosity and all those kinds of moments where it feels like God's doing surgery on your life. I wanna tell you right now, it's good sometimes when you leave church feeling a little bit challenged, a little bit like, man, it's like God was pressing on me and I didn't like it. I tell you, as I've been praying over the last month about what my wife and I should give to believe and build, it's felt like God's been kind of just pricking my heart. I'm like, are you sure, God? He's like, yep, I just want to bring a little more clarity out of your life. I want a little more faith in your life. I want a little more light shining from heaven. Can I get a good amen? I hope you receive this, Church Alive. Come on, give the Lord a hand. God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. I want you to stand to your feet. I wanna pray for you. And then my wife's gonna come up and just lead us in how we worship at the end of this service. I want you to encourage you to stay so attentive, especially if you're online, it's easy to disconnect. If you're in the overflow today, man, God bless you. I just wanna make sure you stay connected this moment. This is such an important moment. Would you close your eyes? Father, I thank you so much for every man, every woman, they are your sons, they are your daughters. God, I pray that this moment would be a thank you moment. I pray that this moment would be thank you, God, for giving me all that we have. 
Thank you, God, for where you've taken me. Thank you, God, where you're going to take me. And I pray, Holy Spirit, across this room that you would so nudge people and speak to people where they need it. Where they need it, Lord. That their individual journey would be so different from everywhere else, wherever they're from. So I pray their hearts and their lives and their faith would be lifted high in a moment of worship, in a moment of thanks. And all God's people said, Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand.